Hello, Feature Tribe. Welcome to another Feature Tribe show. This week's episode's got a bunch of uh, articles to talk about, news items. Um, this is episode 81 of the the podcast, so we're getting to 100 pretty quickly, which I'm excited for. Um, but what we're talking about this week includes brand trust falling for Meta or Facebook, whatever you want to call them. Um, Gaming launched on Netflix and TikTok is experimenting with games as well. Um, Instagram's rolled out more features again. I'm not sure why there's this onslaught of Instagram features, <laughs> but I feel like we've been talking about new Instagram features for the last like weeks. Just so. week after week after week. Yep. Yeah. What else are we talking about, Kelsey? Um, so we'll also be discussing YouTube removing their dislike count. Um, Facebook is making changes to their advertising targeting. Uh, we'll be talking about what we can learn with Coca-Cola's change marketing strategy. And Australia has been crowned the most active online retail market in the world. That's, um, yeah, a lot to talk about, different angles, different things, lots of variety this week's episode. So let's roll the intro and get into it. I don't know about you, but I'm still not used to calling the whole company Meta. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm also not surprised that trust in the brand fell after the name change. For me, the big reason that it comes as no surprise is that I think they almost highlighted that they've been um, doing questionable things and people who... I would argue that people who've never really been into Facebook to that extent that they, you know, are across all the bad things that Facebook do have suddenly um, realized what they do because traditional news, traditional media has just covered the brand change and highlighted the fact that Facebook's such an awful company. I feel like I've certainly, I've, I mean, I'm in the space, I, I hear about, you know, all the bad things that Facebook does or all the things that Facebook does, but... I definitely feel like over the last few weeks, I've heard more about how bad Facebook is than ever before, even with all the Netflix documentaries and, and all that going around. So the um, some stats have shown that um, essentially the trust around the name Meta or the brand Meta um, has gone down to 6.2% um, down from around 16 percent um there's a there's a brand something called harris brand platform i've never heard of them before um so take it with i guess a a grain of salt in the same way that you would take um you know uh, the polls that run in terms of you know which political party is leading or who's who's most favored but still not a surprising to hear about what do you what do you think yeah it's uh it's an interesting one because i think we talked about it when it all came up and you sort of mentioned that they're trying to distract everyone from what's going on and it's clearly backfired on them because as as you said yeah the trust has fallen um it's i guess just an interesting conversation that could go on in a whole different realm about what you need to do to build trust in your brand 
what to do, what not to do, when's the right time to make changes like this? Did they need to make the change and take that hit of losing that brand trust to then begin rebuilding it? Had they been putting it off for a while? There's a lot of questions that could come up around it, but just thought it was an interesting one to note. I don't know that they um, they thought that it would backfire at all. I think I think they they probably thought that um, you know we're unveiling a whole new brand. Um, everyone's going to be excited, so on and so Distract forth. Distract them I... with dazzling lights and hope for the best. <laughs> exactly, but you know you know mm. what's interesting? The um, metaverse terminology has really picked up. Um, I have been seeing the... it everywhere. Everywhere, right? I mean, um, even a chip manufacturer, I think it was Snapdragon, mm. um, announced that they're releasing chips for, you know, with the metaverse in mind. Um, I mean, all they're saying there when they say m- the metaverse in mind is that um, they're building chips that are meant for a new type of um, hardware, a new type of wearable technology. Um, that's all they're saying, but they're using the term metaverse. Um, mm. And I think maybe it's a sign of genius, quote-unquote genius, or marketing genius, that they decided to brand themselves as meta because if everyone, if metaverse as a terminology catches on, they're going to become, you know, the Google for searching. Um, yeah, because very true. How can you say metaverse without saying meta? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I saw something the other day and it was about buying up parts of the metaverse or like mining for the metaverse. It was a headline I saw and I I didn't really read into it. I probably should have so I could talk about it better now. But um, it was just an interesting thought that I'd come across because it was like Bitcoin when that started, like mining for Bitcoin and all of those concepts are such odd concepts to people that are, I mean, for me, I'm very much in the literal world of mining, you dig a hole in the ground mining in the metaverse or buying up parts of the metaverse it's like does this thing actually exist is it just something people are making up it's i don't know crazy concept to me but it will be interesting to follow it and start to understand it more as it develops into whatever people think it already is it's it's also like um you know how things tend to sort of come back full circle um wasn't there uh was it second life or um a platform like that where you can like build out a virtual in a virtual world it's almost yeah. like we're sort of back to that <laughs> but just a much more advanced version i think because back yeah. in the day wasn't it just like click around on your computer kind of thing <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so it was much less integrated but i think now we're getting to a stage where the, the line between the virtual world and the real worlds i mean facebook's straight out just saying that they're working to blur that um and yeah i wonder how the the purchasing of the metaverse would work because it's sort of like talking about purchasing parts of the internet which isn't really a thing in in sort of the true sense of the word because and then you would think that it's the same when it comes to the metaverse because it's all limited by you know techno like servers and things like that so if you i guess if you own a server you technically own part of the internet (laughs) maybe but (laughs) um, who knows it's it's a bit messy. Then again, I, I I would say that all this confusion around it as well is probably an opportunity for people with um, let's just say not so great uh, or undesirables um, could be you know selling people on oh you can buy buy bits of the metaverse and you know capitalize <laughs> on that hype like yeah. it's happened with crypto why wouldn't mm. it happen with the metaverse i almost called it the internet it's the same well, <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't know the difference anymore 
Yeah. <laughs> Jumping from uh, talking about the blurring um, into gaming, which I think will have a huge... Um, well, the metaverse and all those devices will have a huge impact into the gaming world, but um, could that be why Netflix is launching gaming and gaming or games and gaming apps um, on their software? Yeah, it's an interesting one again. I noticed, well, I'd been seeing things about it, popping up different articles and things, and then I went onto my Netflix app on my phone the other day and it was finally available there as the games tab. And there's sort of five or six games. You go into them and think you then have to download all of the content for those games to be able to play it. And it was just kind of a weird experience because it was almost like, I mean, for me, I use Android. To get games on Android, I have to go to the App Store and I'll download that. Now I've got an app which I've downloaded from the App Store where I then have to download further games within another app. And I just, I don't really understand why. And it kind of feels like what Facebook did how many years ago where they had games on the platform and they might still have that, but it was a big thing where actually everyone was actually using it. And I don't know that they have it now. It's definitely not popular if they do, but it's almost as if Netflix and TikTok are experimenting with games, um, which is one of the next things we'll talk about. It's kind of all the same thing. Um, it's as if they're trying to follow that path and I don't really know why. I mean, I personally, I don't think I can see myself playing games on the Netflix app. I go to Netflix to watch my Netflix. I don't really go on there to spend time playing little handheld games. So I don't know. It it could maybe be that Netflix is just trying to diversify. Like it's, you know, at, at one point it was weird that Facebook had Messenger. Um, as a separate app um, now you can download messenger and have messenger but not have facebook mm. um, and i think that's a question around how much companies choose to separate the main app from from other apps and vice versa because marketplace facebook marketplace could very much be it's a standalone gumtree and ebay competitor um, groups could be their own app so it's weird that I think Netflix, so I'm not sure, you're probably not across the whole the whole um, thing around Apple and Apple's commission structure and um, how they force um, apps on iPads and or on Apple devices to go through Apple's payment system and they take a commission cut. So this is there's this whole conversation going on there and essentially what, what Apple does at the moment is force um, in-app purchases to go through Apple's system. So you can't send, like Netflix wouldn't be able to send you away to Netflix's website to purchase a game. And I feel like maybe remnants of that or for ease of development with the initial app, they've just pushed the same functionality across Android and and um, the Apple ecosystem, which um, for us, uh, us meaning people in the Android side of things, we're used to a lot more freedom. We're used to being able to literally download an app from the internet and install it on our phone, which isn't something that you can do on um, iPhones. So it, there is a difference, I think, and and, and that difference, the ecosystem difference, uh, is something that Netflix has to balance for. Um, but then again, jumping into games, Netflix is probably just looking at being an entertainment company. That's mm-hmm. That's the that's the best way to see it, right? TikTok again. You mentioned TikTok um, and getting into gaming. Um, that that's what TikTok is. TikTok's 
not social media it's entertainment um, yeah how many i know you, you you're on tiktok aren't you Kelsey? I, yeah <laughs> i started on there during lockdown i think it was i was like <laughs> i'm not gonna do this but then now i'm addicted do you socialize on there or do you just i don't consume? really even have like an account i literally just scroll i don't think i really like anything or interact with anything anything i just i just scroll right so very mm. much consumption yeah. um not interaction so um it makes sense and, and to say obviously the same thing with netflix like netflix as far as i'm aware has no social sort of connection side of things so they're really just an entertainment company and as long as they can deliver entertainment to you which is at this stage just videos and games i mean i wouldn't be surprised if music eventually became a thing but that would only be because i would say netflix has run out of the total addressable market or sort of consumed the whole market and they want to get into music's just notoriously difficult to play in because the Mm -hmm. the margins are very fine there's not a lot of money to be made um but Netflix could, would go down that road. I would. I'm. I'm betting right now. Um, once they've addressed, you know, as much of the market around gaming and videos as they can, because um, by now, like everyone who's going to get Netflix has got Netflix. I would argue. I don't mm. see why. I mean, there's younger generations that are always growing and can choose yeah. then to have their own Netflix account. That, but that's, that's always going to happen. Thing. But exactly, like. We're, we're talking about right now mm-hmm. why apart from not having the internet why wouldn't someone be on netflix why wouldn't someone have facebook cost is the is the only other factor so you just give them other reasons or, or because you know they don't consume video like i would imagine there's a certain demographic that is spends a lot more time gaming than watching tv shows mm-hmm. so netflix just gets to go you know diversify and get into those markets as well and probably like from a infrastructure technical sort of capability point of view doesn't make a difference for them whether they're delivering video files or gaming files or game files um so i could see it very much translating over um tiktok jumping into it they've announced that they're actually um working together with zynga uh, which Mm -hmm. is which is good because I actually have some Zynga shares and they've been <laughs> going down. Um, but I think I've lost money on those Zynga shares so far. Um, mm-hmm. But Maybe this will pick them back up. Yeah. <laughs> um, have, they, have you read much about what they're going to, like, what shape and form these? Um, no. So I'm not sure that they've announced too much just yet. Um I sort of put it in there just as an add-on to the Netflix thing because it sounds like a very similar product that they're going to be offering where it's in-app and it's another tab or whatever, however that looks, but it's just within the app and the platform they've already built. Um, I think they talk about HTML5 within this, um, which is just a low, I don't know what the right word is, low capacity kind of gaming platform. Uh, It's just easier for people with lower internet speeds and things like that to access and and lower barrier to entry as well um Mm -hmm. because you're no longer talking about having super powerful systems and it's sort of um again democratizing the development of games because that's one area like they've they've done it with websites they've done it with music but i think games are still an area where no one's quite found the formula to make it yeah 
you know, you you and I, I think I think it's fair to say that if if we had to make our own bit of music, we'd we'd have a general idea of how we might go about that. But mm-hmm. I would say with gaming, that's that's still not the case. So yeah, I was just thinking about Snapchat, and Snapchat is such a funny one. We've talked about it a few times in the past few episodes. Snapchat definitely had a gaming side to the offering for quite some time where you could start a game within the sort of filters that would pop up and play that back and forth with your friends. And I feel like that's almost an early iteration that these other apps, as usual, are stealing from Snapchat a little bit, but actually just making it better and doing it well. Whereas Snapchat seems to have all these awesome ideas that they're just not executing on and not capitalizing on that are then yeah being snapped up by people like TikTok and Instagram. Maybe they'll make a better goal of it, make it more social, make it better. TikTok accounts might be able to contribute and build their own games. I don't know I what think, that will look I mean, like. Snapchat just hasn't had the market share, I think, or the volume um, to really push an idea out there that like catches on. Mm-hmm. Whereas TikTok's huge. Um, all these other platforms, especially Facebook, to me, it was just that they could... They had the sheer volume, they had the sheer size to to do what Snapchat couldn't, and that was to get a lot more people um, using the games or the apps or whatever else it is. Um, and sorry, I should have said Meta because um, <laughs> you know there were there were a lot of Instagram features that were stolen from um, from Snapchat. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of which, they've Instagram's launched. Um, a take a break yeah they're just feature. rolling out features like crazy at the moment i feel like every single week when i'm looking for articles and things to discuss i come across something new from instagram and at the same time i see it the same day it's released on my phone and i start seeing it popping up everywhere so like the stickers in the last few weeks and the partnered posts are two big things that i keep seeing everywhere um now they're rolling out a take a ba- take a break feature so it's coming out in december um and it's essentially something you have to opt into that you can tell Instagram, I'm taking a break because you sort of hear all these people talking about having hiatus from Facebook, social media to detox and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I guess this is Instagram's way of saying, yeah, sure, have a break, but just don't deactivate, don't deactivate your account, stick with us, come back when you're ready and trying to hold on to users in that way. So it's almost like, you know, releasing the rope a little bit and giving them that freedom they need, but not losing them completely. So what it's... I love is um, the whole digital well-being side of things that I think Android's baked into the latest iteration. Um, I believe iOS has as well. Um, and now Instagram, where they're essentially going, let me, you know, let us come up with a way to make this as addictive as possible. And then let's introduce a feature to help you curb your addiction. And yeah. but in a way that they can control it and they can keep you in the world and they don't lose you as a user because i think that's the core part of what this take a break feature will be i think it will be great for users because they will be able to do what they're trying to do in a way that will sort of lock them out i guess but it also yeah is good for instagram because they're not losing people who deactivate and then go hey this is great i don't need to do this anymore and are gone forever yeah well brings yeah you come back it's it's sort of like that classic um you know uh conversation going okay you're not interested right now but 
let me check you back in in a month and see <laughs> if you want to, you know, yeah. buy a new car then or, or whatever else it may be. But Instagram's also added two new features to Reels, which is um, they've mm-hmm. added text-to-speech and voice effects, which seems like they've just taken it out of um, TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think at this point, Instagram's really trying to compete on Reels and they can't well, compete. Well, on video, right? Yeah, in video. Um, So they're really just stealing all these features that TikTok is innovating, putting it into their platform. But until until Instagram actually starts innovating their own features, they're not going to be able to compete properly with TikTok because they're just getting the same features two to three months afterwards, and they are getting faster with it. They're you know adding these things in quicker than they have previously, but they're still behind, and you're still seeing recycled TikToks on Instagram rather than Instagram built. Um, yeah, content. Yeah, I mean, Instagram, I'm sure Instagram hates that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, well, it's for worse, but this is one thing that Meta is going to be able to do is that they've got the volume and the money probably to just, um, like you said, shorten the time gap between when a competitor announces and launches a feature and they do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me as well, like the, the, um, that uh, pl- share a uh, photo of your pet thing that, that's sort of yeah. around. Um, yeah. Have you, have you sort of seen much about that? It's um, uh, interesting. So, yeah, I think it got to, I want to say five or six million kind of reshares or reposts, whatever, whatever the classification is for that particular sticker. Um, and then there was all this controversy about like who actually posted it. Nobody knows. Instagram didn't have the ability to, I guess, release that transparency, which they discussed that well, they were going to be bug, building in. Apparently, apparently, well, there's a bug that co- caused the initial. So, so from what I've seen, there's a, there was a page with about a million followers that claimed ownership over it, but apparently, mm-hmm. they launched it and then within ten minutes they deleted it because they realized that it was going to take off and they couldn't actually, yeah. you know, they couldn't it? actually like, remove the feed, I guess. Yeah, but they were, what were they promising? A, a plant, uh, plant a tree uh, for every pet picture. Yeah. Which yeah, is, which um, <laughs> when you get to 6 million, it's not, not going to happen. No. Um, and I'm pretty sure, because I think I might have seen similar stuff about that. And it was an Australian company in Sydney or something who tried to claim it. But then there was all these reports that that was a scam company. And they'd sort of, in the past, done all these different competitions that are really unethical where they'd post whatever it was. And people would donate to particular causes. But there was some clause in there where essentially unless they ticked a particular box or specified something, the money that was donated actually half it went to the organization or the company. And the other part either didn't make it to the organization or only part of it did. So there was like a lot of ethical weird stuff around that particular company. So I think that that was... A bit of a mess and i don't know that they were actually the original people that made it i'd heard that sort of 10 minute upload deleted um whatever and then yeah instagram also discussed that they realized there wasn't transparency around who posted the original sticker and obviously that was the one that took off so they're working on things to increase that transparency um so a very quick best practice lesson i think for them to adjust that offering um it'll be interesting to see what sort of other stuff is coming up because i saw a sticker the other day that was something about for every pet picture we'll give a wedgie to scott morrison for example (laughs) so there's definitely some uh, controversial ones popping up around that Mm. 
Yeah, I want. Yeah, and I reckon that we're just going to see more, more of that um, moving forward with um, this because it's almost like because these companies have run out of or have have essentially reached as many people again. I would argue that that is that are going to interact. So they need to find new things to bring you back and new things to keep you more or less addicted to <laughs> to these apps. And it, and it yeah. works, right? It just it just works. Yeah. So um we'll just yeah have to wait and see um mm-hmm. jumping to youtube removing their dislike count uh what's your what are your thoughts what are you i always thought it was really interesting that youtube had a dislike count because it's sort of place. yeah i feel like it was the kind of thing that created almost a mob mentality when there was something that people didn't like. I think when it comes to, I mean, this was a reason why Facebook never introduced the dislike button. They always just had a like and then introduced other reactions because as soon as you introduce that dislike and it's really clear, I don't like this, I'm not happy, I'm angry, whatever it is, it creates that mob mentality where people kind of jump on it and go, oh, people don't like this. I also don't like this. And then there can be a lot of hostility and negativity around that. And then I think it gets reflected in the comments as well. So I think it's a really positive move to remove that without actually removing the option to say that users dislike something. So I think the people who are genuinely angry about something can get it off their chest and say, yeah, I dislike it. But you can't actually see how many people dislike it. So I think it's really positive. I don't don't know that they, even the number of likes, I don't know that, that matters if if all um i guess you know maybe they could represent it visually like have a little bar and you know the further down either way um which is still sort of showing dislike and like ratios but um i can see the benefit for or towards um the algorithm and the algorithm sort of picking it up um though i've heard that doesn't matter what sort of reaction any reaction whether a like or dislike is picked up by the algorithm yeah. user, which makes sense because yeah you, you like all these platforms want more interaction so anything that generates more interaction or discussion is going to be favored um i did watch a video from um youtuber mkbhd he's he's huge you you've all probably if you're on youtube you've heard of him um saying that he disliked well he disliked <laughs> the removal of the dislike button. Mm-hmm. And his his claim, though, was around um, that it gives you an idea of whether that video is good or bad or whether, like, the, the video is um, something that you should watch. And his argument was that, you know, if you're looking for, um, say, a review of something, that just by looking at the like-to-dislike ratio, you can quickly see whether it's good or bad. Um, yeah. But I've never consumed YouTube in that way. I've looked at the comments um, more than anything else. But even then, you sort of... I don't know that you go to YouTube to look at everyone else's thoughts around something. I feel like Reddit is potentially more of a platform for that, um, where YouTube's really around the content that you're viewing and your thoughts on the content itself, rather than the subject matter of that content mm. um he had a 10 minute spiel about this so he's, <laughs> he's like he oh, clearly God. feels a very specific way about yeah it. i can I understand just... the perspective but i also 
feel like if you're going to reviews and things, who are these random people to say it's a bad video? Why should that be dictating if you're watching something? If you start watching it and you're enjoying it, continue watching it. If you're not, go elsewhere. It shouldn't be a case of looking at the likes and dislikes to see if it's worth your time watching. That seems like an odd metric. In the other hand though, it's how review pages work for restaurants and things. If it's got good reviews, that's how you base your decision most of the time. Hmm. Well, that, that that's correct, but there's a lot more to lose with a bad restaurant than a yeah. bad video. That's that's what I don't understand. Um, yeah, there are not. A, I, I can't think of many other things that I necessarily turn to look at someone else's thoughts before, like in general, and make it like yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, if someone like. Kanye has been releasing a lot of music recently and I just haven't sort of listened to it. But if someone said, oh, it's, it's a bad album, I don't necessarily think that I would say, okay, you think it's a bad I album, won't listen. I won't bother <laughs> listening to it. Exactly. Yeah, you, you sort of go, oh, I better go and listen then because they want to know more. Yeah, how bad yeah. did he stuff up or, or whatever else it may be. So yeah. I, I just, yeah, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a fine move. I don't know that it's necessarily particularly good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I also... I don't know, you know, they're, they're, I think they're saying that it's for um, their benefits around mental health. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Instagram did the same sort of thing when they started hiding the like counts and now you can choose if you see it or not. And I think it's in the same vein of it's just not good for mental health because you've got to take care of your users. And if people are posting videos and are just getting bombarded with dislikes, that's not going to be good. It sort of helps with the if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. So it's like, if you like it, give it a like, awesome. If you don't, move on. You don't have to emphasize that you don't like it. Yeah, I that's think what it's I positive. do. I, yeah. I avoid, unless unless the person in that video, the content is particularly horrible, mm-hmm. I won't react negatively to it. Like if it's someone genuinely expressing their opinion um, and it's not like, you know, just horrible, um, yeah. like, if you're not a bad person, you're not going to get a dislike. But, but if then you've, you've got, got good content, you're going to get a like. Yeah, and you've got reporting features for the purpose of it. If it's particularly if it's that horrible, bad, yeah. you've got 100%. that sort of service there. Mm. Yeah. I, again, I haven't seen any numbers around whether um, mental health or there have been mental health improvements when Instagram re- removed the functionality. I feel um, better, personally. Just okay. from sort of my perspective, when I scroll through Instagram, I think I used to look at the like count a lot and I didn't realize I've removed them now. So now I'll just see if there's somebody I follow that's liked another account's post. I'll see that person and I'll see and others. And for me, I'm like, oh, cool. I just I just look at the photo. I look at the video and I go, yeah, this is cool. Rather than comparing and sort of saying, oh, they got this many likes or last time they had this many likes. What's happened? Do people not like this anymore? All, all those sort of questions that pop up. I think I've noticed myself just being less focused on the likes now. Okay. It's been a positive shift in my personal sphere. Yeah. I haven't noticed a difference. So I would say it's a, it's had a positive impact a hundred percent of the time, according to our (laughs) so far. Um, Perfect. All right. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, (laughs) On, on to the next topic, which is um, Facebook no longer allowing advertisers to target political beliefs religion sexual orientation and i'm sure there are other other things in there um Mm -hmm. 
I think it's crazy that they allowed it in the first place. Yes, that's the reason I wanted to put this in here. I saw the title and I went, I, I mean, I'm in this space. I'm familiar enough with advertising and social media advertising and things. I was shocked when I saw that you could target on those things because surely that opens up to so many different levels of discrimination and, you know, abusing minorities or just taking advantage of people. It just seems absolutely insane to me. Ugh. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe it. But again, you know, this is just another reflection of how much information these um, companies have. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I think it's awesome that they removed it in the in the first like all together, um, but then again, I also wonder as like we have access to you know the general advertising tools that Facebook provides, but I I wonder how much of this would be reserved for sort of really higher tier customers of certain certain you know descriptions or ad spends. Um, it sort of reminds me of the completely different, but the stock market. Um, there's, as it turns out, there are systematic things in place that benefit the institutions that um, buy buy and trade stocks, right? Um, and it's just, and it's stuff like, you know, Kel- if Kelsey is a company and Jermaine is an individual, Kelsey would get information 24 hours in advance that Jermaine has to get. Jermaine only gets a day later or a week later. And those are institutional, like, systematic things that have been set up to work in that way, which mm-hmm. seems completely counterintuitive because that is clearly... that, that And that means that, you know, Kelsey Corp, who does billions of dollars in trade hears in advance that you know this stock is going to go down and can sell that stock like before it reaches the retail uh, market and then Jermaine individual uh, sees that 24 hours later loses a bunch of money you know just destroys his life or whatever Mm. else it may be Um, so I wonder how much of this Facebook's going to reserve and and it'll be you know, it'll be hidden away in in such a way that we won't know anything until something comes out saying, oh, you know, as it turns out, um, Google could advertise through the fa- through Facebook and get all this XYZ info or a certain political party could, could get XYZ info because they've still got this information and I'm sure 100% that they're synthesizing all this information in ways that they're not presenting to us. Um, but at least, you know, they've, they're minimizing the number of people who can use, um, or target all these very, very minute levels of detail that I just, yeah, it's scary. Mm. Anyway, so on on to something. Well, I don't know whether you'd call it more positive, but um, I was just reading up about Coca Cola. They've unveiled a new marketing model, um, and I wanted to chat about what we can learn and what we can take from that. Um, because Coca Cola is, I don't know, have you seen their new cans, Kelsey? Yeah, I was just having a look. Um, I think I had noticed there was some new cans recently with the larger logo. And we talked about, um, yeah, the larger logo and um, was it Real Magic? I think it was. The, yeah, um, the um, ad campaign. The ad campaign, yeah. So that was their their first new like global branding platform um, since 2016. Was that um, the Share and, a Coke and, campaign, that one? 
2016. Probably. Probably. Mm. Was it, wasn't it older than that, Shara Kirk? I feel like I'm it was before that, but that is also but, but five years ago. Global, yeah, but it may not have been a global platform at that point. It might have been like yeah. a, to the Australian market, for example, because mm. I reckon it was definitely an Aussie thing first because I remember seeing a lot of Aussie terms like Shara Kirk with, and they were very Aussie, Yeah. Um, at least initially. Um, but what they've done now is they've talked about um, changing how they change. So Coca-Cola is interesting, right? Because they've got a product that hasn't really changed. Um, yes, they've experimented with different types, like different SKUs with no sugar and zero, which I still don't understand the difference um, <laughs> between. Yeah. I, I do, but they're still weird, I think. Um but what they're now trying to do, and so they keep pushing this boundary, right? Like Coke, McDonald's, um, even the classics like Nike, like their core product offering hasn't really changed. At the end of the day, it's the same thing. And day in, day out, it's going to be the same thing. And anyone else can effectively like deliver the same thing. Um, so what they rely on to keep going and keep dominating their market is good marketing. Mm-hmm. because you remove the marketing and it's just a commodity product. Um, but what they've talked about is looking at, and, and their model is looking at converting from, you know, singular separate sort of experiences with the Coca-Cola brand to a cohesive approach where you just have like a Coca-Cola experience across all your various touch points. Um, now, we call this all sorts of different things, but um, I think as small small businesses uh, as well as medium businesses, if you're listening to this, people often just, you know, market on Facebook and they just think about, okay, what can the Facebook ads look like? When Coca-Cola is taking an approach that is not easy to execute, but I would say it's easier when you're smaller, but they take an approach where all touch points have a similar language. So, and, and also sort of diversifying your, your platforms. Um, and it doesn't mean that you need to spend more money. Obviously it's easy for Coca-Cola because you know, money probably wouldn't be a problem for them. I think they've got four or five of the world's biggest um, marketing agencies involved, like basically the who's who, which, yeah. which they can afford. But anyone listening at a smaller scale can still do the same thing you just got to be smart with it all like use retargeting use use um the tools available to sort of um create an experience that is consistent across different platforms um rather than just putting your eggs in one basket or rather than just sending one message through one one channel um they're also talking about the fact that um, they can really make use of all these, all the data that's around, that's out there, all the, all the real-time information that they receive. Now, last week I mentioned that I bought a, a website. I think it was last week or the week before. Mm-hmm. And you know, one thing that I've been doing at that is, we get real-time information. Like I know today versus tomorrow versus the next day how how many visitors are coming through how many pages they're looking at how much ad revenue is being generated and that's at such a small scale but coca-cola is doing it at a bigger scale it's just again a reminder to say look at those things and learn how to tweak so i can there was a time when we'd have to wait a week for that previous information in fact one of the platforms that i 
that I use on that website has an up to seven day delay. But I can still use, if, I, if you're smart about it, you can use the tools that have real-time feedback to really optimize how you're doing what you're doing and how you're delivering that information. So, um, yeah, that's that, I just wanted to mention that and sort of um, look at look at that you know as you as you go out there and um when you hear coca-cola ads and when you see coca-cola cans just think about those various touch points and when you see it you know is it in a bus shelter and then does it hop you know pop up on on your phone or how is how is that happening and how how can you potentially apply that to your business as well um does that all sort of make sense yeah, I think so. Um, it's just a classic lesson of looking at the larger companies, seeing what they're doing and trying to apply it in a smaller scale. It's the easiest way to figure out how to do your business in a good way that's proven. And yeah, just testing out different things without needing to come up with all your own strategies, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then on to our second last um, topic for the week. Australia named the most active online retail marketing in the world as of november 2021 australians are now the world's most active online shoppers with over 48 percent of us spending more time online this year that is that's an astounding stat to me like at first at first glance i guess that seems really odd because for me we've got such slow delivery times we're so far from things and shipping costs so much when you're buying from international a lot of the time so it doesn't really make sense. But then I guess at the same time, because we're so disconnected, getting things into stores in Australia is probably not like it's, it's not as accessible as it would be in the US or the UK or other markets. So then we have to go online to buy all of these different things we might be seeing online. So I do see both sides, but it just seems such a crazy stat still. Yeah, I mean, um, we something like what is it 62 percent of australians search for new products or services online which is the highest in the world and there's a global average of 55 percent, which doesn't sound like a lot but thinking about it from the point of view that these are averages which means that there are going to be extremes that sort of adjust um that that cause the these numbers to seem close together um i would say it's it's quite quite crazy um and more than uh Half of Australians prefer to shop online using desktop over apps um, and mobile, which... Yeah, I definitely prefer desktop desktop shopping. I find that the experience in apps and on your web browser on your phone is just nowhere near the same. It's really frustrating to go through a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, And some interesting other takeaways as well. Gen Z reported that um, 40% uh, make purchases via social media. Um, so they're the most likely age group to purchase a product via social media, which doesn't surprise me. Um, the most frustrating part of so- of online shopping uh, was slow loading times, poor search, unappealing visuals, um, and just bad formatting on mobile devices. <laughs> Again, just just a reminder like you need to think about not just how good something looks but how fast it loads and mm-hmm. and um just making search better um and yeah it doesn't su- surprise me again that the imp- most important factors when shopping online were fast shipping 
uh, and an easy to navigate website or an app. Um, interestingly, there there's people looking for more and more personalized content um, and advice when shopping. So I think there's you know still very much room. I've seen a decrease in chatbots out there. Well, not chatbots, chat chat like support or chat customer service solutions chatbots are everywhere i hate them um mm-hmm. but you know facebook messengers chat chat functionality is very easy to integrate um it means that you don't have to install you know work on a different platform you just use the facebook app which is pretty handy so yeah interesting um data but 40 40 percent of australians report online shopping at least once a month um I wonder if this includes groceries because I've started, you know, on a weekly mm. basis now. I buy my groceries online. Yeah, I mean, up. it definitely picked up during COVID lockdowns for sure because trying to get any kind of click and collect or online orders was impossible. You had to book at least like a week or two in advance and that was the max you could actually book in advance. So I know that was definitely a thing. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting stat. Hmm. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know whether we should be proud of it or, or not so proud. But... Yeah, I'd be really interested to know a lot of the actual factors that go into how we're at that figure. What are the real, I guess, decisions behind people choosing to online shop or not? And what other countries are doing? Do they just have better supply chains and better access in store? I'd be really interested to know that kind of information, I think. And I don't think it's in that article, unfortunately. No, it's not in there, but something that we can we can look into. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's about it um, in terms of the main topics, and we've got some uh, announcements from our end to make. Uh, Kelsey, you've got something to say. <laughs> yeah, I am finishing up with Future Theory and therefore also the Future Tribe show uh, in about two weeks. So unfortunately, saying goodbye to everyone on the podcast and the team here at Future Theory. So pretty sad to go, but excited for what's ahead as well. Yeah, it's it's been awesome working with you, Kelsey. So, um, and and having you as a host and a, and and sort of um, well, you started as a guest or, or what <laughs> more than twelve months ago. Um, yeah, um, I re- still remember you sort of uh, freaking out a little bit about it all, but um, yes. I'd like to. I'd like to think that you come across as a lot more comfortable, at least, um, whether you feel that way or not. Yeah, TBC. TBC. So, uh, yeah, with that, I think next week's episode is going to be the last uh, episode, and um, the show slash podcast is going to take a bit of a break as well while we um, change up a few things. Uh, don't want to, I guess, announce too much on. Uh, in terms of those changes that we have in in mind but um we've got a few additions with with the move to a uh space with the with the studio as well um there's there's yeah things that we can do now that we couldn't do before so um there's a few changes to look out for there we will probably be back in the new year um is what we're sort of um, working on um but as an extension of sort of Kelsey finishing up, we are hiring for, we're taking the opportunity to try and actually find a few new people. Um, so uh, yeah, go to futuretheory.co slash jobs. Um, they, they'll be on there very soon. 
um, depending on what time this episode <laughs> goes out and you hear the news and how yeah. quickly we move on our end. But um, yes, yeah, so if you know anyone who uh, will be hiring for a well, replacement for Kelsey, so um, yeah. someone to help with our digital co- communications, our digital comms and marketing, um, someone to help with our uh design or digital design and graphic design as well and a wordpress developer so um we'll have a lot more info at that link we'll include the link in the description as well but if you are someone who'd be interested in working with us um or if you know someone who'd be interested in working with us please let them know um this is it's an interesting time of uh every company's i think life when you've got a sort of say goodbye to staff and say hello to new staff um, but it also is exciting because we get to hire new people who come with new ideas and all sorts of uh, fun new things so I think um, it'll be good and, and now that we in Canberra we don't have to wear masks indoors we can actually meet with people eventually rather than having to <laughs> yeah work and hire someone without ever seeing them in person. Yeah the old video call interview yeah oh. I was not looking forward to it and I'm just um, I'm glad that things have sort of changed a little bit for us. So, yeah, yeah. on that uh, somewhat sad news, um, that's the end of this week's episode. Like, like I said, we've got episode 82 next week and then we're probably going to go on a bit of a break, but we'll keep you all posted um, on that. Thanks for listening. And see you guys all next week.